So there's several people that I've taken notes on um, in the past that I've enjoyed the way they think so much that I'm dedicated to this idea of like seeking out and taking notes on every single thing that I can find on them. And Peter Thiel is definitely one of those people. It's probably the list is probably about half dozen. has probably about half dozen uh, names on it at the moment. So in the future, you can expect like more um, depth from certain people that just their ideas just happen to resonate with me. So uh, this is a lecture that that Peter gave at King's College in New York City. And he touches on a lot of things that are that are very interesting, um, kind of uh, continues like his he's got like a, just an original thought process that I, that I don't find in too many places. So um, let me just jump right into it. So he says uh, one of the challenges of talking about teaching and writing about entrepreneurship is that is, is that there is there is something about entrepreneurship that is very unscientific. And I'm very glad that he put into words a thought that I've had for a long time. Like, I think I've even talked about this on my podcast before, where like came across people that describe themselves as like uh, experts on entrepreneurship, and I was just like, that's that's ridiculous. There's no such thing. Um, going back to that that quote that I keep repeating all the time, that how Mark Andreessen uh, describes start, the act of starting a company. He's, he calls it a complex adaptive system. Um, these systems are too complex for our own understanding. They behave in ways that are not predictable. They don't act like we want them to. And so somebody saying uh, they're an expert in entrepreneurship, it's like some, somebody saying they're an expert on life. Like there's just no such thing. Um, and Peter elaborates on this point. He says, science involves things that you can repeat. And so he's tackling onto this idea that entrepreneurship is very unscientific. So science involves things that you can repeat, things you can experimentally verify. In some sense, things there are at least two of a kind. That's not at all like entrepreneurship. He says the great moments in business happen only once. And he continues, there is no formula for entrepreneurship. You can't say follow these steps and you will succeed. Such a formula does not exist. That's why I think I'm so fascinated by the subject because it's so dynamic and so bizarre. Um, and I just, I like that. I like that there's no tracks laid out in front of us. It's not the, 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 kind, of co- the kind of companies and the, the kind of products we can uh, create are not bounded. Um, they're literally un, uh, only limited by our imagination, which I find uh, very inspiring. A good way to, to spend our time on this planet, in my opinion. Um, he says, the contrarian business question. And a great question to ask yourself if, if you haven't already started a company you want to. Uh, what great company is no one starting? That's a really interesting um, question to ask yourself as a, as a starting point. I've never heard anybody else say that besides Peter. So he says, what I would like to do tonight is offer some of the an- my answers to this question. The contrarian question he's talking about. What are some things? Uh, what are some things that I think are true that very few, few people agree with me on? So then he goes into. If you read his uh, his book Zero to One, a lot of this will sound familiar to you. Um, I'd read it anyways. Uh, I thought it was well worth the time. You can read it in a few hours. It's very very quick read. He says this. Uh, so he's going to go into some of the things that he believes that other people don't or very few people agree with him on. He says this uh, standard account of capitalism is that competition and capitalism are synonyms. My somewhat provocative thesis is that capitalism and competition are antonyms. In a world of perfect competition, all the profits are competed away. And then the next sentence I'm about to say, I read, I came across for the first time in his book, and it's, again, the clearest way to, to think about what we're engaged in. He says, a capitalist is someone who is in the business of accumulating capital. That's kind of why I feel so, um, I have like a natural version when people run companies in like a non-frugal way. And it doesn't mean like you, you hold on to the money you have. I, what I mean by that is like not realizing that you're, uh, you're supposed to be organizing the resources you have in a productive manner. 
right? And when you like kind of just throw caution to the wind or like misuse that, you're not really being a capitalist because a capitalist is someone who's in the business of accumulating capital, capital and you don't accumulate capital unless you are a good steward of the resources you have and actually add something and, and make those grow over time. As an entrepreneur, you want to aim for a monopoly. That's another thing that most people don't agree with him on. You want to be doing something. This is, and to me, this is like common sense, right? He says you want to be doing something so unique, so differentiate, differentiated that you have some real pricing power. So I think a lot of people, when they think of monopolies, they think of like Rockefeller, Vanderbilt, people I've also covered on Founders Podcast. And those are not the kind of monopolies that we want to see in the world. We don't want somebody just to, to monopolize all the railroads or all the shipping traffic and then being able to extract money out of us uh, just because they can. But what I think is unique about the, uh, the time that we're living in now is like you can have a monopoly of one. Um, and that definitely falls into uh, what Peter's, Peter's saying here. It's like you want to be doing something so unique, so differentiated. All, people, are all, they're not, people are not substitutes for each other. We're all... Uh, obviously we share similar traits, but we have enough variability that like, you know, talking, think about like your closest friend, something happens to your closest friend. You can't just like, okay, I'm just going to put somebody in. I get that same experience. And that's why I'm really interested in these like weird, tiny, small businesses that have more of like a human element as a, as a period, uh, as a point of differentiation than like just this huge conglomerate that starts to act more like a, more like a less human and more like a, almost like a machine. Um, and think about any kind of business that you that you enjoyed. Maybe you, you found out about it at the very beginning. And uh, for me, this is like I started using Uber in the very early days when it was only like black cars. I think at the time they were only in San Francisco and New York City. And I loved it. And then as it grew and scaled, the less my experience with the company was uh, was like positive. It just became like a, a system or a machine that I was interacting with as opposed to like you knew there was other people on the side. And that, that happens when you scale. So that unfortunately, um, I don't think... There's much overlap between like great human unique businesses and large conglomerates. Um, okay, so it says um, there is an incredible distortion that happens. And this is really interesting because the, the, why I think life is so difficult is because humans lie so much. And we lie to ourselves. We lie to each other. We're just lying, lying, lying all the time. And he picks up on this uh, in the terms of like people running the businesses. He says this is an incredible distortion that happens. People have, who have monopolies pretend not to have them. And people who are in crazy competition, meaning they don't have monopolies, pretend not to be in that grade of competition. Um, and then something that's interesting that, that causes because everybody's lying um, further uh, adds strength to this distortion is people who come out of these incredibly powerful monopoly businesses, they typically don't understand what actually drives the business. So he's getting an example here, but another example I've heard him give is like if you if you worked at a newspaper, say 20 or 30 years ago before the internet, you thought, you look, look, we're just doing great journalism here. That's why we're so successful. Not realizing you just have a, you just had a geographically uh, like imposed monopoly. And when the, the, the internet rendered that monopoly obsolete, like you didn't even understand what business you were in. You didn't even understand that you were a monopoly. So the example he gives here is there's uh, this idea that, um, like understanding that you're a monopoly business and that's driving the success of your business. He says, this is p perhaps understood by the top five or 10 people at Google. He always uses Google as an example or Microsoft as an example um, as, a, as a monopoly, a search monopoly. He said, but if you talk to the other 30,000 or so employees, they would list things like this is the first company to appreciate smart people. They give us free food, the perks, et cetera, et cetera. And so what happens is they're, they're, they don't even understand why the company they're working for is successful. And what happens is when they leave that company to try to do their own companies, they try to emulate the things that they thought made the company successful but really didn't. So he talks about this. He said, there's a shockingly bad track record of people coming out of Microsoft and Google who start companies. I think part of it is they were intentionally misled by management in terms of what really made the business work. 
They try to emulate the fictional account that in practice doesn't work. This idea is poorly understood. Then he's going to continue. He touches on a little bit about uh, human nature. He says, psychologically, we are very powerfully attracted to competition. He says, your goal is not to compete with and destroy large existing companies. Your goal should be to create a valuable company in its own right. The standard business school advice is to go after big markets. The, monolo- the monopoly perspective is you want to go after big market share. So if you want to start in a, so you want to start in a very sh- small market, that is how you get to big market share quickly. He uses an example in the book about you know PayPal didn't go after every single um, uh, like the larger uh, like financial services market. They went after the power se- the power sellers on eBay which is, you know, maybe a market of 20 or 30,000 people. Facebook started with Harvard students, which may have been, you know, 10,000, a market of 10,000 people. Um, I love this sentence. He says, just about every trend is overrated. The buzzwords are a tell that the person is bluffing, that their business is undifferentiated. Um, he goes back to this idea about competition. It's like, why? Like, he just made the statement, like, we're psychologically um attracted to competition. So he says, a deeper explanation of why we are so attracted to competition. Um let me actually, oop, I got a, I had an extra word in there that's not there. So I just wanted to update the notes why I did that. So it's a deeper explanation of why we're so attracted to competition. In the time of Shakespeare, the word ape meant both primate and to imitate. Aristotle said man differs from the other animals with a greater aptitude uh, for imitation. Culture gets transmitted through imitation. So it's kind of, in his opinion, very baked into the, the essence of our DNA. If you want to learn more about this, read um, Things Hidden Since the Foundation of the World by Rene Girard. It's a book that Peter's recommended a number of times. I just started reading it with a friend of mine. Um, it is it's an interesting book, but it, it is really hard to read. <laughs> um, so I, that's why I'm reading with a friend so we can discuss as we're doing it at the same time. But uh, it makes me question, like... <laughs> Am I smart enough to even understand this? Which <laughs> is scary to me. Um, which which is probably actually beneficial overall, like a way to, to, to remind me of the like the epistemic arrogance of the human species. Um, but anyways, I, I left a link in the notes if you wanna if you wanna read that. So far it's interesting. I'm going definitely going to finish it. I just uh, I have to have somebody sharpen my own thoughts to see if I understand it. All right, so, so I like to contrast technology with globalization. Globalization is copying things that work, technology is vertical intensive progress, which obviously is the where he got the name for the book, going from zero to one. And he, he makes a point. He's like, listen, these are very different type of activities. One is easy because it's just copying. The other is hard because it's inventing. We've had much less technological technological progress in advertising. So Peter's influenced my mind because before I, I actually heard him lay out his case for this, I would I would take the other side of the argument. It's like, oh, it's, it's wonderful. And it is. I'm very happy that I'm alive during the internet. But he's like, yeah, I'm not saying we had no progress. I'm just saying we had less than advertise. He said, we have had some progress in the word, world of bits, computer software, and the internet, and we've had much less progress in the world of atoms. And he's talking about them in the last 40 years. This is something fascinating. I'm obviously a big advocate of uh, studying history. He says, uh, uh, Peter echoes this point here. He says, past books about the future are very interesting to look at because it tells you the perspective that people at the time had on the future. So then he recommends another book. He said, there's this book written in 1968 called The American Challenge. It said in the book that the United States was this technologically accelerating civilization. And that if you extrapolate that a few decades into the future, America would leave the rest of the world in the dust. What happened instead was incredible convergence through globalization. So instead of America continuing to do this, everybody just started copying these things. It has made the, much, the world much more competitive because he says globalization is competitive. Uh, new, fundamentally, new technology is not. One of the best things that has come, uh, one of, excuse me, not the best. One of the things that has become strangely dominant in our time is the idea of, that the future has collapsed. 
Never even thought about this before. The idea that the future is a time and place that looks very different from the present. That can be a very powerful motivator for changing things. And he's saying we don't have that anymore. Um, he continues this. He says, there's a history of the United States. One could tell where in the 19th and 20th century, America, you had all these ty- these engineer schemer types of people. And I've covered a bunch of them on Founders Podcasts about, you know, people that built like the Hoover Dam and, and so forth. He says, these people with complicated plans they tried to implement, like a transcontinental railroad or the Panama Canal, these very large projects. At this point, uh, at this point in time, uh, that is just seen as ridiculous. Like, no, of course we couldn't do that. Um, and then finally, I'll end here with, I think, a great piece of advice that he's giving us uh, that we have to understand that starting a business, you should go into starting a business with the mindset that it's going to be difficult. So he's speculating here. He's like, why are so many people in the PayPal mafia, like, why did they come out? And, like, we had a small collection of people at PayPal and they come out and they're able to, to actually build really, really successful businesses. Like, why is that so rare in other organizations? And so uh, he says, PayPal was not a business that worked automatically. There were a lot of tricky challenges. The general lesson learned was that it was hard to build a great business. That is a good mindset to have when you set out to start a new business.